Hallelujah. I'd like to draw your attention tonight to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And we're going to go to start in verse number 9. 2 Thessalonians 2. I'm hearing a low-end rumble. I don't know where that's coming from. There it goes. It went bye-bye. Thank God for the people up there that know how to turn knobs. And let me tell you, that is important because the wrong knob can mess you up. So thank you for turning the right knob at the right time. And everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, let's, let's take a look at this. All right, let's take a look at this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Still a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. And for this cause, what cause? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed, past tense, believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Um, this is a big deal. Let's go back to verse number nine. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. And I want to talk about lying signs and wonders. We just want to, want to talk about some things here tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you, praise you. Thank you for all those that are here tonight. We pray that you touch those that could not be here. We have multitude that's sick and their bodies, and unable to be here tonight. I pray for them, uh, strengthen them, touch them. I pray for us tonight that you'll open up the windows of heaven and, and give us a God-given understanding, a God-given understanding. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Um, this has just kind of sort of been chewing on me all week long. 
We talked about some things last night, or pardon me, last week, and it just kind of spiritually segued into talking about this tonight. When you look at First and Second Thessalonians, you know there's a there's such an incredible background of of history and supernatural import to every one of these books in the New Testament. First and Second Thessalonians are probably I know that there's some references in the general epistles. But I don't believe that there's two books in the epistles that are more eschatological. We talked about that specifically last week. You remember we talked about what, what, time, what time is it? We talked about that last week. We talked specifically about end time events. And theologically, the study of end time events is called eschatology. Well, when you get into the epistles, which are letters of instruction, that's what the word epistle means by definition. It means letter of instruction to the church and the churches. Um, you will not find any books as eschatological as First and Second Thessalonians. I believe Second Thessalonians far more than First Thessalonians. Of course, First Thessalonians, chapter number four, is where it talks about what we describe as being the rapture. And it's also talked about in First Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm gonna just go back here one page just so that you understand what we're talking about. And it says here in verse number 15 of chapter four, of 1 Thessalonians, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the Lord, the, with the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, well, that is describing what theologically is called the rapture. And somebody is quick to say, well, the word rapture is not in the, church, uh, in the Bible. Well, okay, but it, it's simply describing a catching away, and that is described in the word of God. But that is nowhere is it described as plainly and as clearly as it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the rapture. Well, that's about 15 of you. What are the rest of you waiting on? The Antichrist? We're going to talk about him in a little bit, just in case you're waiting on him. But really, I don't believe there's anybody in their right spiritual mind that does not want to make it in the rapture. Um, I know there's a lot of people that talk about, well, I don't believe the rapture's here, there, where it's, it's it'll be debated till it actually happens. Um, but I don't want to be spending my time that's supposed to be spent on doing the will of God arguing about Scripture. I know the rapture is going to take place. My responsibility and your responsibility is just to make sure that I'm ready for the rapture. 
And it's, it's my job as a pastor to help you be ready for the rapture. And everybody said amen. Okay, well, 2 Thessalonians is far more eschatological. In fact, there are some things that are described in 2 Thessalonians that are staggering. They just are. They're, 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 just, they're just staggering in terms of uh, the reality of revelation and understanding of what is being described here by the Apostle Paul in this letter to the church at Thessalonica. In fact, there are some things that are described here that are not described to this degree and just like this anywhere else in Scripture, save probably the book of Revelation. And that goes all the way back to the book of Matthew, all the way through the epistles, general epistles, all the way to the threshold of the book of Revelation. So that makes this an incredible passage of Scripture because it is revealing some end-time events. And I want us to go back to verse number 9, and we're going to look at this a little closer. Really, to do this justice, it needs to go all the way back to verse one, but we don't have time to do that. So we're, he's, he's leading into something here in this chapter, and we want to pick it up here in verse number nine, but for the sake of continuity and context, I'm going to read verse number eight. And then, and then shall that wicked, and wicked is capitalized, capital W, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Okay, already we are, we are jettisoned into, we have an incredible um, ringside, front row seat into an incredible occasion that is going to take place. So look at verse number nine. Even him, okay, no gender confusion there. Come on, in your face, devil, we know who you are. That might work on people out there, but that ain't gonna work in here. Even him, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, the Bible is just describing, there's there's a chronological unfolding of events here in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, which makes it an incredible revelation and understanding. But we are not given a lot of details about this powers, and that that is dunamis. It's not exousia, it's not authority, it's actual dunamis. It's a working of power, supernatural power. It is, it is power that is God-given, that God gave to the devil, but Satan is misusing that power. 
Okay, when we understand that Satan has power, you are not, you are not, you are not seeing an entity that has this power that is separate from God. It's like the power that you and I have. We have power because God has given us power. But all power is of God. All authority is of God. Okay? So Satan is, has been granted this power, but he is abusing and misusing this power. But the Bible doesn't get into the details and the mechanics and the nuts and the bolts of that. Um, exactly what is taking place right here. However, if you will go to Revelations chapter number 13 and verse number 11, you're going to see now the misuse of that power. And I beheld another beast. Now, Revelations chapter 13 verses 1 to 11 is talking about using Old Testament um, figurative speech, talking about animals that were described and seen, most notably by the prophet Daniel. Daniel talked about these animals rising out of the sea. Anytime you see the word sea in eschatology, it's talking about the mass of humanity. It's talking about the sea of humanity. It's not talking about a literal ocean. Um, like the Mediterranean or the Pacific or the Atlantic. No, it's talking about the mass of humanity. And there is a beast that emerges out of the sea, and it talks, it describes, it uses very descriptive language uh, to describe this, this animal and the creature and what's on this head, because the head is always a sign of authority. So we're talking about a creature that comes forth that has authority. That is describing the Antichrist. But now we're seeing another beast, and I believe that's what it's describing here when it says in verse 9 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Okay, let's go back to Revelation chapter number 13, verse number 11. I believe that this is talking about the false prophet. It is not talking about the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be a political figure. That's how he's going to gain influence and position and power in the world. But there is going to be another agent working with him, and it is going to be described as being the false prophet. Okay? Let's go to verse number 13. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Again, this is not the Antichrist that is doing this. This is the false prophet. This is also coming out of the sea of humanity that also is empowered by Satan that will work alongside with the Antichrist. Okay, well, when I read this scripture... Where have you ever seen fire come down from heaven? Isn't that what happened in the ministry of Elijah and destroyed 450 false prophets of Baal 
I believe the devil probably took note of that and said, one day, God's going to let me do that. That's if he can read. Okay, next verse, verse number 14. And he deceiveth them. Look at this. Look at this carefully. This is talking about the false prophet. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Well, in the sight of the beast is talking about in the presence of the Antichrist. Okay? Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. That's another aspect of this that took, uh, that took place prior to this. And I don't want to get, man, when you get into this, there's so many rabbit trails that you could go a lot of different places. This miracle and these miracles and lying signs and wonders is a precursor to the mark of the beast. Okay? He is empowered to do miracles. I don't know what these miracles are going to be. There's already been fire that came down from heaven. I don't know if it's going to be some supernatural agency that takes place that, that betters people's lives, brings peace between nations. Um, I know what Brother Lee Stone King said one time. He said that Satan is able to produce a healing by a person that has a spirit of infirmity on their life. They can have a spirit of infirmity of their, on their life like people did in the Bible their entire lives. But when a false prophet comes along and prays for that person, then Satan commands that lesser devil to depart from that person and immediately there is a healing that takes place or a restoration that takes place. But it was not using God. It was not using, it was not using any, any type of means or ways in which God was involved. It is a satanic miracle. Let's say, it is, is, let's say a deliverance takes place where there's an individual that um, is battling some kind of a spirit or some kind of situation in their life. And, and they, go to, um, they go to a situation that there is not truth. There is not separation. There is not holiness. It's clearly false doctrine. But they pray for that person. And immediately, Satan commands that spirit of infirmity or that oppressive spirit to depart from that life. And, every, and, and there's an immediate change. The human spirit can feel that there's an immediate difference. And, and they say, I'm healed. I'm deliverance. And people rejoice. And it drives the deception that people have any kind of truth. I want to tell you, this is happening all the time in our world. I want to tell you something. You can go to heaven from a wheelchair. The question is not power, signs, and wonders. The question is, do you have the truth? That is what Satan's trying to do. He'll use a gimmick to try to fool a bunch of people. 
But what he wants to do, he doesn't want you baptized in Jesus' name. He doesn't want you speaking in tongues. He don't want you separated from the world. He don't want you living holy for God. <laughs> Clap your hands and give God the praise right now. That's exactly what this entire arrangement of Scripture is revealing. Is that the world is going to come to such a place when I do not know. But in the continuum of time, at some point, after the gospel has been preached and continues to be preached, that God is going to allow these events to take place where Satan will emerge and take on human form. And I don't want to be pessimistic and I don't want to scare anybody, but the world is not going to become a rosier place. It's just not. And uh, you, the term going to hell in a handbasket almost describes the way things are progressing in our world. And I thank God for some of the people that do have their heads screwed on straight and still understand common sense and still have a sense of right and wrong that are trying to resist some of the nonsense. It's like a landslide that is being, I want to tell you what, the devil is not in control. God is allowing every single bit of this to take place. But he's sending a message to the church. It's time for us to rise. It's time for you to get your spirituality on. It's time for us to say, you know what? I'm going to go out of this with a blaze of glory. I'm not, a go, I'm not going out of this limping. I'm not going out of this with some weird hang-up. I'm going to go out of this powerful in the Holy Ghost, giving glory to God and everything. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. That's exactly, I felt very led to talk about this last night. We talked about the timeline of all this, that there are no biblical indicators that truly describe really where we are. We have some things that give us some perimeters, but there are some very vivid indicators that we talked about last week that definitely reveal unto us that we are quickly and rapidly moving into position. I want to tell you something. Satan really thinks he's going to win this thing. Satan is not going to win. And I'm going to tell you what, anybody that goes to hell is stupid. All right, I've been wanting to say that all day and I said it. If, you, if, you, if, if anybody has any comprehension what this is all about, I don't care if you walked in here on crutches. I don't care what situation's going in your life. I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I do care, but you understand what I'm saying in the context of what I'm saying. You've got enough sense to be around the church, be in the church, to, to come to church, to call on the name of Jesus, to lift up your hands. The devil 
is, is, is convinced that there's some people he's going to persuade that are, that are, that are not going to make it. I'm going to tell you in the name of Jesus, there, there's people on their way back to this church. I'm praying for them in Jesus' name. They don't even know I'm praying for them, but they're coming back because God said, no, 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 no. Devil's not going to get that one. He's not going to have that one. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And I want to let Cornerstone know this is that kind of a church. This is that kind of a church. Come on, clap your hands with me with some boldness and some strength. We're not going to let the devil take anybody. If I can pray, I'm going to pray. If I can fast, I'm going to fast. The devil is hoping that he can wear out the saints of the Most High God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm almost 70 years old. I'm, I'm getting tired. I never felt so tired. Yes, we just came through a building program. But I want to give you a little bit of a warning. I'm going to absolutely give a 1,000% until that trumpet sounds and my name is called up yonder. Because I understand what that book means. This is for keeps. This is for eternity. This is forever. There's no plan B. There's no going back. There's no second chance. Come on, somebody. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some, I've got a couple people in mind that when they finally walk through that back door and the time's right, I'm going to have him sit in that chair right there. And I'm going to bring out a basin of water and a towel. And I'm going to wash their feet. And I'm going to welcome them back home. Not because I'm super spiritual. But because I understand the price tag of this. And I know that I owe him everything. It ain't my talent. It ain't my good looks. It ain't, you can take one look at me and see that none of that's true. But I'm on my way to heaven. And I am not going to let the devil win anywhere, anyhow, with anybody at any time in any place. And you can't do the will of God until you get that type of ferocity. This is not wrestling with flesh and blood. This is not against a personality. This is against an arch enemy of the human race and an enemy of God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The devil's going to do his very best 
pull a rabbit out of the hat. Pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes. As I've already mentioned, I really do not understand because the Bible does not, it does detail some miracles, but there's gonna be, I think there's gonna be a lot of things that take place to persuade the human race that this is the answer. But when I look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 10, verse 9 says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. There's some people that that's what they're looking for. They're chasing that stuff. I still believe that, that God's a healer. If you're here tonight, I believe that God can heal you in the name of Jesus. I still believe God is a deliverer. I still believe God is a way maker. I still believe in all of that. Could it, could it be that God just wants to see in this hour that I'm going to live for God whether I get out of this wheelchair or not? Whether God ever does it or not, I'm still going to heaven because we are talking about sin. We are talking about salvation. Could it be that in a culture that's that's put doctrine way down the list and checked off looking for a good youth group and a good contemporary Christian rock group and a program for the single people and a handout for the homeless. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that stuff, but could it be that we're in the midst of a culture that's looking for services Instead of a message. Could it be that we're in the midst of a culture that's looking for God to do something for them? Not recognizing that on an old rugged cross, it was the crossroad of eternity. Could it be that we're in the midst of a culture that wants to feel good instead of feel conviction? Could it be that we're in the midst of a culture? Oh my God, I'm on it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're apostolic, it's, you know, we just need to thank God that we see it. We see it so clear. That is a gift. You are blessed. If you can see this, you are blessed. You're blessed. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. If anybody received not our gospel, the God of this world has blinded them. It is a blessing to be able to see this for what it is. It is invaluable. It's priceless. It's precious. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But we're stepping back, and now instead of being on the ground seeing this incredible convergence between demonic forces and the human race and the Antichrist appears and the false prophet, which is now, what makes a sign and a wonder line signs? 
and lying wonders. When does a miracle become a lie? I want you to think about that for a second. The Bible says specifically, lines, signs, and wonders, which means there is a distinct difference between something that is genuine and something that is from a lie. When a miracle takes place because a person has believed the truth, that's your answer. It has to be rooted in truth. God said it. I believed it. That settles it. And I received it. But when it's a lie, it doesn't have to be according to truth. It doesn't have to be according to the apostles' doctrine. It doesn't have to be baptism in Jesus' name. It, oh. There is a different motive. There is a different end game in sight with a line, sign, and a wonder. Well, why doesn't God stop it? Why doesn't God put a stop to this? Why doesn't God do something about this? Ladies and gentlemen, God is allowing this in this incredible race to reach the human race. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, Lying signs of wonders are meant to deceive what's really behind the miracle, what's really behind the wonder. I know, I know that I've, I've hit this a bunch of times and I'm sounding redundant and I'm being redundant not because I'm a little older. I'm being redundant because this is such a powerful point. You may be in this church, you may be sitting here tonight and prayed the exact same prayer for a healing or a miracle or a loved one or a child or a backslidden child, whatever the case might be. You don't give up on that prayer. God has been storing those prayers. God has been storing those tears. But I want to tell you what, you can go to heaven with a cane, but you can go to hell and be whole. I'm going to say that again. There's some people having a problem with that. I'm going to tell you, lying signs and wonder, whether God ever comes through and does this, and I've got this ache in my hip, and I'm going to have to live with this, and I've had been anointed with oil, and, and God just hasn't come through. I want to tell you what, you can go to heaven. You're going to walk on a street of gold, but you ain't taking that hip with you. You're going to get a new body. You're going to get a new mind. You're going to have a new heart. Your tears are going to be wiped away. The former things will be remembered no more, but the fact that you didn't backslide when lying signs and wonders and phony baloney was going on everywhere. I 
want to tell you what the greatest miracle in Liberty Lake is tonight. You're still here. Your flesh might have tried to take you to lands, distant destinations, but you are here tonight. And I'm going to be here Sunday. And I'm going to be here next month. And by the grace of God, I'll be here the month after that. And by the grace of God, I'll be here next year. That may not be a big deal. To me, it's a big deal. With all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love. The love of the truth. The love of the truth produces the preeminent loyalty of all loyalties. Well, I'm going to be loyal to this person. Great. But you need to be loyal to the truth because that qualifies every other loyalty. The love of the truth that they might be saved. I want to be saved. I want to please him. I want to be saved. So, lying signs and wonders is a demonic gimmick, a sensational gimmick to attempt to draw humanity from the love of the truth. But because they received not the love of the truth, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, I'm going to tell you what I, what I think that means. And I'm not saying that this is what that means but I'm gonna tell you what I think that means. I do not believe that God is going to send another delusion. I believe that God is going to let people believe in the Antichrist. That God will not stop them. God will not stop them from following from believing, and maybe at some level even participating because they that, take, they that take the mark cannot be saved.
Pastor, you're scaring us. I'm sorry. I'd rather know what's in here so I can prepare rather than looking at this like it's the Tuesday night matinee. And I know you feel that way. Anybody in their right mind would. Like, I didn't get in this to just, I just want the Pentecostal popcorn. Don't give me the other stuff. Don't give me the Pentecostal Pepto-Bismol. Because we're having a hard time swallowing with the pastor just trying to feed me. No, this, this, you got you to gotta love it all. I mean, I love the blessings, but I love his curses. Because I, I need to understand that. I want to understand that because I want to be blessed. I don't want to mess up. And, and I, love, I, love, I love the exaltation, the revelation, and I love his judgment. And I love his goodness, and I love his severity. And I love the Old Testament, and I love the New Testament. I love the law, and I love grace. I love it all. In Jesus' name. The rejection of truth on any level has consequences. And this is an extremely graphic and dramatic revealing and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. As I said, I don't believe that is an additional delusion. I just believe that God will allow, just like in Romans chapter 1, when people are given to unnatural affection, God steps back. That they should believe a lie. The lie is... That all those signs and wonders, man, those are from God. That Antichrist, man, that's, that's the guy we're looking for. That they all might be condemned. That's a better word. That's really what it is in the original. That they all might be condemned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I would be remiss if I didn't read the next verse. It's not on my notes, but it's right here in front of me. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Wow. Chosen of God. Chosen of God. Chosen of God. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Let's go to John chapter 8 and verse number 32. Let's get some good news out there. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. 
so let me let me put this in my theological espresso compressor and compress this down for us. So Satan wants to lie to keep everybody in bondage. And God said, if you shall know the truth, you shall be free. That's what it is. It's that simple. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I'd like to I'd like to extrapolate by saying that once you know the truth you're going to see a lie. You don't you don't know what a lie is until you know the truth. I mean, you don't know what false doctrine is until you get only one gospel. I was raised to be a trinitarian. I came out of that trinitarian stuff when I when I saw in the word of God that there's only one Lord, Israel, and there's only one God. You can't know the faults until you know the truth. The people that have the truth are not going to be hoodwinked. We are not, we are not going to be part of this mass of humanity. I believe you and I are here to be a mechanism for the kingdom of God, to push back the darkness so that people that come in here can see, man, there's really people that worship this way. There's really people that live this way. There's people that really believe this. And then once they proceed in the word of God, they go down in the name of Jesus and they come out and experience newness of life. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. That's what you and I are doing here. There are diabolical forces against us, but greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he. The devil is not against people that have half the truth. The devil is not people singing in a cabaret. The devil is not working on people in football stadiums. The devil is not working on people that follow Hollywood. The devil is against people that have the truth. The devil is against people that are free. We need to be reminded of this. You know, we, we got all this stuff as a church, and I thank God for it. You know, we got social media now. Five years ago, I didn't even know how to get on social media. I still, I still don't personally have all this stuff. But, I mean, I look at it. The church has this. The church has a website. The church has live stream. We got social media. We got all this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the main deal. That ain't never going to be the main deal. The, the deal is not who we are. The deal is who he is. It's not who God is. And I want to make God famous. I want to make God known. I want the power of God to be understood and experienced by everybody. And I know you do too. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. We ever think that this is, this is the main deal here? Thank God for it. This, all of it. What is the main deal? The main deal 
is week after week exposing people to truth and coming in direct contact with spirits that are attached to people's lives. This is why, this is why I have this revelation and I've lived according to this revelation ever since I've been saved. You, 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 you really shouldn't allow yourself an off day. Listen, I, I understand not feeling good. I understand just having down, I have those myself. But when you get the understanding that a person is coming into a church where there's three to 400 different denominations and different churches probably in this county, maybe even more than that. They can make any choice to go to any church they want. But I, 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 I understand that I have an obligation that we need, whatever I gotta do, if I gotta worship, if I gotta pray, if I gotta fast, if I gotta do whatever I gotta do, we are going to have a move of God. We are going to have a demonstration. It's not about us. It's not about our comfort level. It's not about our prerogative. It's not about our comfort. Pentecostal upbringing. It's about making the power of God understood and aware in a world of darkness. Week after week, we are coming in direct contact with these spirits that are getting ready to surface in our culture with a name, with an agenda, with a purpose, and with thousands and millions of followers. And so I know that all this is not the main thing, but all this is being used of God to reveal. Because I remember when I first walked in an apostolic church and I saw people running, that really didn't offend me. The running didn't offend me. Hairdos stacked up three feet off of a woman's head, that offended me. She looked like the lead singer of the B-52s. Where these people been for 5,000 years? That's what offended me. And I looked at my brother and I said, you ain't never gonna get me to look and dress like these people, okay? I am who I am. But when I got the power! See, I know there's some Rick Mayos out there that are radical pedal to the metal people. And I wanna see, see that wild man of Gadara unchained and unshackled for the power of Jesus Christ. I wanna see some trans-confused person that's been injected with all these blockers and all this stuff and been some kind of Frankenstein for our culture come waltzing in through an apostolic environment and watch the power of an almighty God put them back together. I want to see it. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Because I understand we're coming in contact with darkness every single week. Toe to toe. Nose to nose. Eyeball to eyeball. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Somebody say, thank God. You know, I, I, your pastor, 
I don't have any problem being selfie-facing. I know, I know I rub people's flesh wrong because I'm, I'm just so excited. But ladies and gentlemen, we are all involved in the absolute most critical endeavor in the history of human existence. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. So you got lying signs and wonders. And you have truth. And it's all coming down to the wire. Let's go to... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 8. Stick with me. I'm almost, I'm almost at, the, at the finish line. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist, everybody say it, truth is all the way through eschatology. That is the dividing line of who makes it and who doesn't is how we respond to truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Who is Janus and Jambres? I never, I never seen their names in Scripture. Who is Janice and Jambres? Let's go to Exodus chapter 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. Now, historically and biblically, we all understand that we are talking about the miraculous demonstration and the progression of that before the great exodus out of Egypt. And so, Moses being sent directly to the king, the pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, about letting God's people go. And God says, that rod, you're going to throw that rod down, and it's going to become a serpent. Next verse. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. That's amazing. Watch what the God of this world does. 
Then Pharaoh called for the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. Just stop right there. Janus and Jambres were the magicians of Pharaoh's court. They're not named in the Old Testament, but the apostle under the anointing and inspiration of the Holy Ghost names them because they were men that resisted the truth and they were reprobate concerning the faith. So they threw Moses and Aaron, throw the rod down as a demonstration, a miracle, a sign, a wonder. Pharaoh doesn't even blink. He snaps his fingers and said, hey, you guys behind curtain number one, come on out. And here comes Janus and Jambres. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. Next verse. For they cast down every man his rod and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. God is never going to let the devil steal the show. Not going to happen. Next verse. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. If we would continue to allow this story to play out, it's incredible. God would continue to talk to Moses, and Moses would come back and say, let my people go. And God would tell Moses that if he doesn't, I'm going to turn the water into blood. And then Pharaoh would call for Janus and Jambres and they would come in and they could do the same thing. And then God would talk to Moses, send him back. I'm going to send frogs. Moses went in, said, if you don't let God's people go, there's going to be a plague of frogs. And Janus and Jambres came in and did the exact same miracle. But when it got to the lice, Janice and Jambri said, this is the finger of God. Lines, signs, and wonders are going to keep people in darkness. It's not about the miracles because Moses' message was to get people out of Egypt. Pharaoh's miracles were to keep them in Egypt. The devil's miracles are to keep you in the world. God's miracles are to get you out of this world. Let's all lift our hands and give him praise. It all comes down to the message. Miracles, show, and 
sensationalism and fooling, fooling people. In the same scripture where it talks about Janice and John, it talks about people ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, there's some people that are on this huge quest where, you know, I'm just going around to every church and I'm just a, honey, when you come to this church, this is the last one you need to look for. Because after you go down in Jesus' name and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not this group of people anymore. It's from another world. And this message is to get you out of this world, not to keep you in this world. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. Thank God for truth. Thank God for truth. Thank God for truth. Come on, let's lift our hands and give him. Lying, signs, and wonders. You know, on a regular basis here at Cornerstone, we have the miraculous taking place. You know, I just, there's no greater miracle than somebody being born again. There's no greater miracle than somebody that was going to an eternity, a black, dark, hot eternity that is now going to heaven. There's no greater miracle than somebody that used to curse the name of Jesus is now praising him everywhere they go all the time. There's no greater miracle of somebody that was living a selfish, iniquitous life that has now consecrated and dedicated their life to the purpose of God. There's no greater miracle to somebody that was lost and undone, that was packing around spirits of drug addiction and addiction to pornography and fornication that now loves holiness and separation and the name of the Lord. Let's clap our hands and give God. Oh, we have signs and wonders all the time, but it's according to the truth. It's according to the truth. It's according to the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that's hungry for truth. You're hungry for reality. You're tired of the world. You're tired of depression. You're tired of compulsive behaviors. You're like Paul in Romans chapter 7, the things that you want to do, you know you're supposed to do, you don't do. That battle rages within you. There is a way to settle that once and for all, and that is to become empowered by the living God. Let's lift our hands. In the midst of lies, can't trust the White House, can't trust anybody. You can trust the church house. You can trust the word of God. You can trust the spirit. Thank God for the church of the living God. There's still hope in this world. There's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope. Hallelujah. Brother Jordan, why don't you come on up here and give these precious people some hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, as culture continues to come apart at the seams, 
I do not believe that there is going to be a bleak, dark moment for the church. I believe that I believe that our most exciting, glorious, wonderful, powerful days are still ahead of us. In the name of Jesus. One more time, let's praise him. If you want to come and pray, this altar's open. Maybe you're here tonight. You're saying, you know, I need a change. I need a permanent change. I need something real. I need something, something that's got gravity, something that's got teeth in it, something, something that's real. This altar's open. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Let's praise him. Let's love him. Let's pray.